Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. So are you, are you ever dissatisfied with your spiritual life? Probably. I think we all are. Uh, sometimes we're wondering how best to go forward in our spiritual life. And when we start thinking about that and we're kind of, we're, we just, God doesn't seem as accessible as we think he should be. Um, we don't feel his presence, don't feel the moving of the Holy Spirit. What are we going to do about it? And we, uh, we might not bother, but sometimes we might start looking, is there something I can do to sort of make the situation better? And when we start looking around, there are various possibilities. We just, um, you know, a YouTube video pops up on our screen and someone's suggesting that we do Bible study this way or that or pray in this way or that. Friends, we have friends who seem to be uh, having a greater depth of spiritual life and they're involved in some Bible study or some other group or, you know, getting information from something. We wonder, where do we go? There are lots, lots and lots of options when we look at it. And that's the way it is these days. But that's the way it was also in the time of Paul and in the time of the church at Colossae. And um, in the Roman Empire, there was a lot of movement of people, and with a lot of movement of people, there was a lot of movement of ideas. It was a very, it was a polytheistic society, different gods in different places, different ideas, and you had this church full of relatively new Christians trying to find their way forward, and in, they were finding their way forward and exuberance in their life in Christ, at least that's the impression you get from the first part of Colossians, giving thanks. Paul was very thankful for what was happening there. But they were had a lot of pressures that were keeping them or taking them different ways. Paul was getting concerned that they were getting off track. And so he wrote this letter the letter to the Colossians. So uh, Tom spoke last week, and he he brought us up to uh, chapter 2, verse 15, and I'm going to read on from that the rest of chapter 2 as we start. And follow along in your Bibles if you have them, or on your phone, however. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they've seen. They're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. 
they've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that were all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have the appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their false harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Okay, so there we have maybe three options that Paul's dealing with. And the first option that they were facing, was to follow the Jewish laws. The source of this idea was probably Jewish believers that were in the fellowship there, because it seemed like all those early churches began among the Jewish cluster in this town, and then Gentiles joined them as well. But you've got these people with the Jewish background, they're cultural Jews, and uh, very likely that they were the ones who were promoting this idea. It seems to be people within the fellowship. It could have been outside, but it sounds like it's people within the fellowship. And uh, they were judging the other members of the fellowship, saying, you're, you're off track. Just get with it. You know, follow God's laws. And uh, Paul mentions two practices in particular, dietary restrictions and then observing special days, right, of various sorts, the monthly new moon, religious holidays, special celebrations that came up through the year, and then the Sabbath. So it's obviously, it's, Paul here is talking about a Jewish influence. The Sabbath is just Jewish. So, and it seems that... Uh, This was being a problem in the church. Paul says these things are a shadow of the reality that was to come. He's just putting it in track. Yeah, okay, these things were given by God. These laws were given by God. They're just a shadow of Christ. Christ has come. Now, I don't confess I don't understand everything that Paul is saying here because I can understand about the celebrations, the holy days on which there were sacrifices, sacrifice for sin. I could understand some of the other Jewish, a lot of the Jewish law. It leads forward to to try and bring them aware of God as being a savior. God has saved them. The idea of sin and that we need to be, that keeps us away from God. God is holy, the holiness of God. Food laws, I'm not quite sure how they fit in there that he talks about here. But anyway, Paul is saying that the whole Jewish religious law that they're being encouraged to follow, it was in one way or another pointing to Christ. And that once he appeared and dealt with sin, the law faded like a shadow in the light of Christ. So it's still there in the background, but it's faded in the light of Christ. Okay, but... uh, 
would there be a problem with following those laws? Is it a problem? A problem to keep the Sabbath, for example? Or avoid alcohol like the Nazarites? I think so if some of those things help you in uh, drawing near to God and through Christ, then good. But what's wrong and what these people were doing, they were looking down on the others who weren't following it. And it was a, an issue in that way. So it's, it's kind of like that today. We, we develop a church culture, right? Um, you've maybe experienced one or two different church cultures over the years. Uh, we have one here in Erickson Covenant Church. And if we're not careful, we look down on people who don't have quite the same culture as us. And that's what was part of what was happening here. Legalism can develop anywhere. And Paul is saying, no. Those laws are not the way to go. Okay, the second spiritual enrichment option, if you like, that these Colossians were uh, facing that were being promoted among the Colossians is a rather more difficult one to understand. Verse 18, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. So it seems that the uh, Colossian church was influenced by an early form of Gnosticism. Some of you may know a bit about it. Appeared strongly in the second century of the Roman uh, times. And uh, much more is known about it then. But a part of that whole group of ideas, the Gnostic ideas, was worship of angels. And there was a whole hierarchy of angels that certain people were promoting the worship of as intermediaries in our spiritual life between us and God. So we can't get to God ourselves. We're too far down the chain. We can, through these angels, help reach towards God. And uh, so you might think that someone who believes in angels and someone who has visions is spiritual. You might think it's the wrong kind of spirituality, but spiritual. Paul's tack is a little different. He says they have unspiritual minds. They've got fleshly minds. He says they're way, way out of it. They're out of touch with the living spirit of God. However spiritual it sounded. They're not there. But even today, I think there's an attraction towards this kind of thought. Just think of all the raft of movies about angels a few years ago, right? And maybe there's still one or two around, I don't know. But there were quite a lot. And somehow there's an attraction there. We like the idea of angels, of these spiritual beings that we can somehow relate to. People today... Many people talk about angels, seeing angels or having an angel friend. It's around today. And uh, the trouble, as Paul states in this passage, is that such people who are obviously Christians, they'd lost connection with the head. 
So interesting new beliefs and experiences, but in the process, Jesus got left behind. He got pushed down because they have other intermediaries now, these angels. And uh, the body of Christ then can't grow. That prevents our growth in Christ, the work of God, and influences the whole fellowship. So Paul says, no, 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 wrong way to go. Third option, uh, an enticement to what looks like a, a richer spiritual life is to what is sometimes is called asceticism, which is self-discipline and uh, non-indulgence, right? It's like, um, it's also like the Jewish thing, it's subjection to a set of rules. So it's legalism in that respect. But uh, Paul describes them as merely human commands and teachings in this case. They're, not the, uh, they're rules of the world that the believer has left behind. He says the rules of the elementary spiritual forces, or sometimes it's translated basic principles of the world. The rules to control human behavior, which you know, human societies and cultures have developed over the centuries, and uh, they often develop, often show up, especially in religious groups. And so it includes this asceticism, some of the rules that were adopted by monasteries in the Middle Ages, or especially by the hermits, who would cut themselves off from connection with any kind of human society, um, just to be able to live a purer life and be more open to God because he's the only thing in their world. And it uh, includes rules against eating or drinking certain things like um, certain rich foods or alcohol. Uh, rules to regulate sexual behavior, like promotion of celibacy. Rules like don't drink, don't smoke, don't dance, don't play cards. Right? We were... Some of us remember those rules. They're current in a lot of churches, in the evangelical churches, last century. That sounds a long time, last century. I just mean, you know, 20 years ago. <laughs> but it also includes practices like regularly getting up at night to pray. Or very early in the morning, you're disciplining your body to do these things so that you can be more spiritual, right? It includes fasting to give more focused time in prayer. You know, Paul says about this approach, since you died with Christ to the elemental, spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teachings. And such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom, right? They look good with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but he says they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. There's his problem 
with that set of rules? What does it do in actual restraining sensual indulgence? And that, that's one translation, that's the NIV. You'll have seen other ways of putting it. Indulgence of the flesh is what it, the Greek is, the word flesh, which really just means like the, uh, the strong um, the motives of the body. But more than that, it includes things like pride. That's part of the flesh. So he's saying it's, it doesn't control pride. It doesn't control these other things. So let's just do a little review before we go on. Uh, in chapter 2, verse 8, and this is something that we were going over last week, if you were here, Paul says, see to, you, to it that no one takes you captive through holly, through, sorry, through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. And then over the next few verses, um, which Tom dealt with last week, he talks about how Christ has comprehensively dealt with our sins and brought us into a new life free of condemnation. Free of condemnation for our sins. And that brings us to our passage today, which starts out with, therefore, don't let anyone judge you. And then he talks about these three ways that we might be judged and pressured. And at ECC, we're probably prone to being pressured too in some of these ways. Um, right? One of the pressures was you need to keep the Jewish law, but says Paul, that's just a shadow of Christ. You need to worship angels or seek visions, but says Paul, we need to simply hold fast to Jesus. You need to practice self-discipline, says Paul, that doesn't check indulgence of the flesh. Now, some of you are probably thinking at the moment, um, sorry, I'm not really, I'm having a hard time with this. I'm not really with you. Because actually I find Sabbath keeping, making sure I have a day of rest and worship each week, helpful. And, uh, or, I find fasting every now and again helpful so I can have concentrated times of prayer and it, it helps me. So I don't understand the problem here you're talking about. Uh, in fact, there's a group of us here at uh, Erickson Church who have been meeting once a month and as we've gathered then, we've talked about some of some practices, some spiritual practices we can adopt that might us help us grow deeper in our spiritual life, like having a Sabbath, um, various aspects of prayer and disciplines. Disciplines, we call them. So, <laughs> hang on, and we'll get to that. But first, we must move on to chapter 3, which is the end of our passage for today. And it winds it up. And really, this finishes Paul's argument that he's been going on for quite a while. He says, since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You and I, says Paul, have a new life. We've been raised with Christ. Now, the problem that I have with Paul's argument there is I'm not resurrected. (laughs) Where is my new life with Christ? He's ascended to heaven. I'm waiting for the resurrection. The resurrection is future, and everyone else will be resurrected. But that is a certain resurrection. We're an in-between stage, and in this stage we can live according to the flesh, or we can live according to the Spirit. We can live in our unchanged nature and according to that, or we can do what Paul is suggesting we do here. We're to set our hearts on the things above, to seek the things above, not things that are on earth. And Paul says it twice, and he says it, he says, first he says, uh, don't seek, sorry, he says first, seek the things that are above, or set your heart on things that are above, that's the NIV translation. It's the idea of seeking. And then he says, put your thoughts there, where Christ is in the presence of God. He says, because we're inextricably linked with Christ now, and uh, we will be there at one point, truly. But for now, that is the important part of our life. Think about that. Set your minds on that. Be focused on it. And he says, that's what we need. He says, you're being pressured in all kinds of ways. You know, it could be that fasting helps you set your mind on God. Good. It could be that keeping a Sabbath in some way is helpful for your worship and for your body. Well, good. But, you know, we're all different. So some extroverts might have a real hard time with some of these ideas, right? They just can't do it. They want to be with people. They've got the energy for to be communicating. And uh, some of us are introverts. And for us, we can get up early in the morning and spend a nice time, prayer, free of distractions, at least try to. You know, it's... Uh, and some people find that really focuses their mind. But don't feel that you have to, even if people are promoting it, because Paul is making that point here strongly. There are no laws and rules that are going to make you a great spiritual person. The essential is that where your heart and mind is, what you're thinking about and what you're desiring. That's what it is. You know, I was once at a conference where one speaker He was challenging us to get to know the Bible. And uh, he made a specific challenge for us to commit to memorizing a passage of Scripture every week um, for the next, for the rest of our life. And um, it was one of those situations where he asked people to stand up to show their commitment that they were going to do it. 
Now, at the time, I was actually very keen on scripture memory. I was memorizing several verses every week. I'd been doing it for several years. So I was strong on scripture memory. But I reacted to the idea of committing to it for the rest of my life. Was, Was that going to... Is this the thing that's going to make me a godly person? I thought, well, I, I don't know that I can. I might have a different priority in, in 10 years' time. And uh, so I didn't stand up. But in not standing up, I mean, I felt the pressure. Because, actually, most people there stood up. Have you felt that kind of pressure? I mean, that kind of thing? And you think, well, maybe I can. <laughs> And uh, it upset me, actually. It made me a bit angry. But um, it's, uh, the point is, no one thing is the answer except Jesus Christ. So do we have that straight in our minds? And if we're looking to where we go forward from here, we have to think, what? Okay, if it's some, is there something I can do? <laughs> here we go. Something I can do that will actually help me set my mind on Jesus Christ and get my heart there so that my heart isn't in this world now. My heart isn't in having a wonderful house where I'm going to be able to relax and enjoy the rest of my life, um, even though it might be quite short, right? uh, Is my energy going into... um, finding a way of having, uh, yeah, be able to relax in life because I have enough financial funds to take care of any crash that comes. I, I'm secure. Is that our future? Or is our future actually set? We're going to be with in the presence of God. We're going to be worshiping him face to face. Our life is there in Jesus. As long as we're in Jesus, that, and that is what we're directing our life towards. So, um, don't make the error of accidentally replacing Christ as the way to God or replacing the presence of God as the goal. Don't make that error. I'd like you to take just a couple of minutes now to quietly review your life and think, um, where am I focused? Where is my life focused? As I think about my spiritual life, what's the focus? What am I, has my focus become going to church? Has my focus become singing spiritual songs? Has my focus become um, a regular time that I have in Bible study? Has my focus become something else that's kind of spiritual, but it's on the edge, right? Is it? Have you got sidetracked by things like angels? I don't know. Because... Where we, it is supposed to be is our focus is on being, our future is in the presence of God, in Jesus Christ.
and what we do must lead towards that. If we want that spiritual boost, we need to make sure whatever it is we're doing, that's where it's leading us. If it gets stale, we need to drop it. <laughs> because as long, once it stops leading us towards that, Paul, Paul says we're off track. Right? Just before you... Just before you... Uh, go on. Um, let me just read again those first four verses. Um, and then you can think. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Christ is the answer. Spend a couple of minutes just thinking about your life at the moment, where your focus is, what you're pursuing. Father, I just ask you to help each of us to maintain our focus, not as something that's not get lost in uh, legalisms or other ways of spending our life that, in fact, detract us from you. Just uh, enable us to live in the glory of the future in the present time. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.